As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You put me on the spot. I was totally prepared for the middle grade conversation and totally not prepared for anything about me, which is kind of what being a mother's about, right? A metaphor for reading in life. That's right. (laughs) Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 106. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Today, I'm excited to chat with Shannon Navin a Cleveland mom and technology professional who came to me with a specific request to recommend great books that Shannon and her 10-year-old son can enjoy together. Today, we discuss the magic of bonding over books, what you need to have a great reading experience at any age, and what it looks like to establish your own reading life. And readers, I couldn't resist asking Shannon about her own personal favorites as well. Let's get to it. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hi, Anne. It's great to talk to you. Shannon, you came to me with a very specific request, and that was to find middle grade books you and your son can enjoy together. But I don't want to skip over you and your reading life. Can you start by telling me a little about where you are in life? Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the mom of a 10-year-old boy, and I am a corporate professional in technology. I've been in the corporate world since college, basically, doing technology type things because I um, speak Japanese. And so I went to Japan while I was in college and managed to parlay that into a technology career, even though I had a degree in political science. And I've been doing technology stuff ever since. Okay, so I don't want to put you totally on the spot. But can you tell me something like that's an amazing book in Japanese? Sure. So, <laughs> I love that those words are in your vocabulary, too. <laughs> I'm glad they are. <laughs> so. Shannon, what does that mean for your reading life? Uh, it means that I don't always get to read as much as I like. Um, it, it means a few things. So the reason we're talking about middle grade is because I am a mom and because probably the majority of the reading that I do in a given week is with my son. I also read for myself. And you'll if you if you ever look online, you'll see that I have a TBR list of about 5000 titles, I can't stop adding things. Um, Whenever I hear of something or somebody recommends something, I have to add it to my TBR. You know, it's too bad. You're the only one who does that. Yeah, I bet not. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I usually have a number of books going at a time. I'm one of those people who does a lot of things at the same time. So I usually have an audiobook going in the car. I'm usually reading something on paper and then have two or three things that I have going on my Kindle. You know, it. I like to dip in and out of things, and I don't have a problem keeping them straight. So um, I usually have a lot of titles going at the same time. What are you reading right now? So for me, as as a grown-up, I'm reading Americana is one of the books that I'm reading right now. I'm also reading a book called Adopted. It's very interesting. I um, It's sort of a an interesting look at what it means to be adopted and what adoption means in this country. I'm not adopted and I haven't adopted a child, but I heard it recommended on a podcast and was really interested in it. And so occasionally I like to dip into something that's nonfiction and I am finding that very interesting. Oh, I'm also reading um, the Neapolitan. um, Mm -hmm. Yes. The (laughs) the Neapolitan Quartet. That sounds good to me. Which book are you on? By uh, by Elena Ferrante. Yes, Elena Ferrante, my brilliant friend. So I've just barely started that. But as I said, I always have more than one thing going. So do you have any idea what your three favorites would be as a grown up, like you said, if that was our conversation today? Sure. Gosh, I wish I had thought of that before we talked. Well, some readers have them in their back pocket, and some readers say it would be different every hour of the day. Well, I know that recently, um, all I can talk about is One in a Million Boy. I recommend that to anybody who will listen to me. I was so touched by that book. Um, I listened to it on audiobook, and the audiobook is fantastic. The reader is incredible, and I just really, really enjoyed that one. Loved the characters, just loved the the emotion that was tied to it. Um, So that is definitely near the top of my list. All right, Shannon, what else? Well, this is one that I read quite a long time ago, but it still sticks with me and resonates with me. It's The Red Tent. Um, And I loved it because it was so, it had such strong female characters. I learned so much from it. You know, I didn't know the history of women and how all of these things transpired and how we did things a long time ago. And, And it was a learning opportunity for me in addition to being a great story. And I really enjoyed that. That sounds really interesting. I really like that book. So that description is really ringing true. All right, Shannon, what else? Well, it's one that you have uh, you've talked about a number of times on this on the show, but it's Bel Canto. Um, so again, another one with great characters, uh, a story that drives you along. You want to know what's going to happen, and you know, fascinated that it's sort of based on an event that really happened, with of course some some tweaks that the author, you know, made, but. Um, love that it's based on a true story. And, and I just loved the fact that I was riveted the whole the whole way through and really enjoyed the characters. Well, Shannon, tell me about how you and your son started reading together so much. Has that always been the case for you two? Or is that something you came to gradually? It's a, it's a really good story. So um, I have read to him since he was an infant, I would lay him on the bed and just read books to him. It was something that we could do to pass the time. He was born in the winter. And I was one of those moms who would just find that 
on a Saturday and Sunday when I wasn't working, the, the cold, long winter days had come and it was four o'clock in the afternoon and we had played with every toy. We had done every activity I could think of and there were still five hours till bedtime. <laughs> didn't know what we were going to do. So we read a lot. But then kindergarten came. So he learned to read when he was about four. He really, he thought that he knew how to read because he had plant a kiss memorized. And so he would tell you, mommy, I can read this book. And then would be really frustrated when he would pick up other books and not be able to read them. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm trying to help him and doing what any good 1970s born mother would do. I bought Hooked on Phonics and we would sit every day for a little while and do a little bit of Hooked on Phonics. And he learned to read really early. And one of the first drawings he ever did of us is a picture of me and him sitting on the couch and there's a label and it says, this is the workbook. (laughs) (laughs) We were doing hooked on phonics. Well, then kindergarten came and I was at the school one day and his kindergarten teacher approached me and said, I have to tell you this story. She said, I asked Spencer if he reads a lot at home. And he said to me, yes, my mommy reads to me every night. It's a very special time. Oh. And, and I just, you know, so now I have to read to him till he's 20. Um, <laughs> and so what we've done as he's gotten older, I read an article somewhere and I couldn't tell you where it was that basically said, even after your kids are able to read independently, that it's really important that you continue reading to them if they'll let you, because that's how they learned fluency to hear somebody read who's had a lot more experience reading than they have, you know, teaches them to be more fluent and, and what reading well actually sounds like. And it is, it's just something we enjoy doing every night. So he reads by himself every day um, for school. You know, he's supposed to read 20 minutes every day. And then every night before he goes to bed, um, we, I read something to him. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear what you all are enjoying. You know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately. And then we'll talk about what you should read next. Great. This is so exciting. All right. What's the first book that you all, I'm assuming you chose books that you both loved reading together. Is that right? That's right. And he's, he definitely had input into the list. So, oh, good. Um, <laughs> so the first one is Pax by Sarah Pennypacker. Um, and we loved that book. First of all, he is a wood sprite. My son loves animals. And so it does not surprise me when there are animals in a book that he loves. Pax is about a boy who has a relationship with a fox that he has basically adopted. And what happens when he has to give that fox up for reasons of his father goes off to war and makes him give up the fox. And it is a heartwarming story. Literally, we I read this book out loud to him and he would ask me every night, can we do one more chapter? And when we got to the end, I was ugly crying. Um, just I'm reading and the tears are just rolling down my face and he's smiling at me like, you are so silly, mom. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's one of those very emotional books that just touches your heart. You fall in love with the characters, the human characters and the animal characters. And and it was just great. We loved it. I asked my daughter about that book when I saw it was one of your favorites. I said, you you liked that book a lot, didn't you? And she said, oh, I don't know. That book might have been too sad to like a lot, which is about the individual reader's personality because I know a lot of people really love packs. I'm glad you all enjoyed that one. 
I'm glad he could see his mom really be moved by a book too. Shannon, what's another book you all loved reading together? So this one is a series. Um, it's called The Fog Diver. And the, well, that's the first book. The second book is The Lost Compass. And they are by Joel Ross. Um, and these were strong nominees uh, from my son. These absolutely had to be on the list. The really, really cool thing about these books is that they are actually post-apocalyptic dystopian novels for the 8 through 12 set, um, which is like, I was just so impressed. You know, I I figure doing something like that for children or, or middle grade readers, it's either going to be fantastic or it's going to be horrid. And this was really, really good. So putting together a story about how the world has fallen apart and these kids, these basically slum kids are trying to save it but not having it be super scary or over over the head of a middle grade reader it was funny it was engaging there were um the characters you just love um and the the plot really drives you through what's what's going on and what's going to happen with these kids you know you just don't think of dystopian novels at least i don't for 8 through 12 year olds but it was it was perfectly done okay that sounds really good I'm glad that he had strong feelings about this, too. He, he really did. And, you know, when I was making the list, he was like, well, the Fog Diver and the Lost Compass have to be on there. He's like, does that have to take two? I was like, no, we'll put them on as a series so that we can add another one. We're generous here. We like to pack in as many books as possible. <laughs> That's right. Shannon, what's your third favorite? Uh, it's called This Is Not a Werewolf Story by Sandra Evans. And this is one I had not heard of. And I actually won it on a Goodreads giveaway. And it showed up in the mail one day. And it was it was wonderful. So it is very nuanced. It's the story of a boy who has special powers. He lives in a boarding school and has some special powers and some secrets about his life. And it is, it's very nuanced. The book never comes out and really says what's happening. It shows you what's happening. And, and I think that can be done very well for middle grade readers and it can be done very poorly. But my son was able to keep up with all of the sort of hints about what was going on and what was happening and to, to sort of guess and be excited about seeing if he was right about what he was thinking was going to happen in the book. So it was it was interesting in that way. It also has, you know, very strong protagonist and a, a, a very strong message um, about, you know, kindness and friendship and what it means to be family. We, we both really enjoyed that one as well. Okay, Shannon, I haven't read Pax. But that features a young boy and his fox. Yes. Okay. Is it coincidence or on purpose that all these middle grade novels do feature male characters? So completely accidental. And actually, I know that at some point in this conversation, you're going to ask me what I would like to be different about my reading life or my reading life with Spencer. And, and one of the things that I would like to find, he's not opposed to reading books about girls. You know, I think if you suggested Pink Posey's Ballerina Slippers, I don't, that's not a book, but he might object, but he's not opposed at all to, to female protagonists. But we tend to have landed on these great books that feature boys. And so, you know, when we get to that part of the conversation, one of the things I'd like to ask you is, do you have any recommendations for books that are great, like these books, but feature girls? Okay, that's good to know. And I don't know if 
there's a right or wrong answer there. But the reason I was asking is for a lot of kids who aren't avid readers, the story that eventually hooks them and makes them want to be someone who can't wait for the next book is when they find a character they can really relate to. So I just was wondering if that was important to him. Readers, our special shop for What Should I Read Next and Modern Mrs. Darcy Goods is stocked and ready to go for the holidays. And I'd encourage you to order now because when we're out, we are out. We have What Should I Read Next book darts, one of my very favorite bookish accessories, available in What Should I Read Next or Modern Mrs. Darcy custom tins. And you can get your own at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop. We have beautiful Leuchtturm journals in the shop. I use these myself. They are the gold standard for bullet journalers, and they're available on their own or as part of our fantastic reading journal kits. Those are great products at great prices. This is basically a fun way to try a variety of pens without having to shell out the big bucks yourself. Check out those and more bookish goodies in our shop. Again, that's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop. If you would like your own personalized copy of my book, Reading People, How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything, but haven't been able to see me on one of my book tour stops, I have good news. You can order a personalized copy through Carmichael's Bookstore, my very own hometown independent bookstore. Order online at carmichaelsbookstore.com or give them a call and order through an actual human. Either way, let them know you'd like it signed or personalized however you'd like, and they'll get me in there to sign it before they ship your order straight to your door. Book darts, journals, a personalized copy of Reading People. These would all make excellent gifts for the holidays or any time of year. And when you buy them, you also support our work here at What Should I Read Next and on Modern Mrs. Darcy. Order your personalized copy of Reading People through Carmichael's Bookstore or visit whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop to get your book darts, journals, reading kits, and more bookish goodies. Shannon, you know what's next. Tell me about a book that you all did not love. <laughs> um, so I'm sure that this will be unpopular because it's a Newbery Award winner. Um, but it was The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. It was. So when I talked about this is not a werewolf story, I talked about how the plot was very nuanced and, and they didn't tell you everything that was happening. They sort of left you to figure it out. I found some of the same things with The Girl Who Drank the Moon, but it wasn't easy for my son to figure out what was happening. The story was disjointed. There were times when we found it somewhat boring and repetitive where they would go over the same thing over and over and over again from different perspectives and it dragged. Um, It just wasn't enough to keep him really engaged. It was like we had heard these things before. Why are we reading them again? The language was really, really beautiful, but I sort of felt like it was more of an opportunity for the author to demonstrate that she could write really, really beautiful language than it was the opportunity to write a book that kids would really love. And I mean, apparently the Newberry committee loved it, but Spencer and I, it, it wasn't our favorite. So I'm noticing in the books you'd love that they all move along at a pretty brisk clip. So it sounds like that's what we need to be looking for, something with a little more action. Probably true. Yeah. You know, the girl who drank the moon has some action at the end. But by the time we got there, we were sort of over it. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon, what are you all reading together right now? Okay, so together, we are reading a book called Saving Marty by Paul Griffin. It is new. I don't know if it's even out yet. It was given to us as a gift by a bookstore owner as an ARC. We're reading that now. It's the story of a pig who thinks he's a dog. Again, it's charming and it's funny. You know, there's you there's a bit of wit to it that we really enjoy. 
And then on his own, he is rereading a book. Now, I am not a rereader, but apparently he is. He is rereading a book that he really loved called The True Blue Scouts of the Sugar Man Swamp by Kathy Appelt. And that one, again, I, I guess there is a theme of animals in in these books, we've got a werewolf, a wolf, a pig, and some raccoons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no animals in the fog diver. But the True Blue Scouts of the Sugar Man Swamp is about some raccoons that are trying to save the swamp. Um, and they are adorable and funny. And the the whole story is engaging. There's There are sort of two threads, one about a boy who's trying to save the swamp and one about the raccoons that are trying to save the swamp in, in two very different ways and how their sort of worlds collide and how this happens. Um, and we loved it when we read it together. And um, when he finished his last book, he decided he wanted to read this one again. I like that. And that's interesting that he's clearly not learning from you how he should read, whether or not he should come back, but he's doing what makes sense for him. That's great. And he was absolutely surprised to find out that I don't reread books or rewatch movies. He was like, why? <laughs> I don't know. That's just not my thing. But it's totally okay for it to be your thing. Well, does it make you proud as an adult to see how your child is really carving out his own reading life that suits him? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Yep. Okay, Shannon, we have some some of an idea of what you want more of in your reading life. So your request was help finding books that challenge advanced middle grade readers, but don't have content that is too mature. So we want to load you up with book recommendations. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Because my list is pretty long right now. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the female protagonist. We do do some books that are a little too mature for him. We have read The Hunger Games together, but we do it together and we read it a little bit at a time and we talk about what's happening. Um, it, they're not books that I would let him read by himself, but we do have the challenge of him being an advanced reader and wanting to find things that are at his level, but not as he would call them a kissing book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the princess bride where the kid says, Oh yeah. Is this a kissing yeah. book. Yeah. So that's what we call them. He's not really interested in, in dating novels and you know, those kinds of things at 10. And sometimes when you go to a little higher level of advanced reader book, that's what you're reading about. And it, that just doesn't do it. Yeah. Well, I know that that's a specific issue that a lot of parents and educators relate to. But a lot of devoted readers also experience that themselves as a child, where you can read, you're perfectly capable of reading and understanding words about themes that you are not emotionally ready for. So that's a balance that a lot of readers are familiar with. All right. I have ideas for you and a whole lot of questions. Okay. I'm excited to hear them. Okay. Shannon, are you ready to talk about your books? I am. I can't wait. All right. So here's what I'm noticing. We have the male protagonist that we've talked about before, but that's not a deal breaker. And in fact, you all would love to branch out, which is great. You seem to have books and tell me if I'm on the right track, but you have books that are emotionally pretty intense. They're pretty high stakes, whether you're talking about saving the world or saving your beloved pet fox. They're accessible. They're funny, even though they're dealing sometimes with pretty serious things like packs can make you laugh and make you cry, sometimes on the same page. They're a little bit quirky and you don't seem to be afraid of fantasy. In fact, none of these are, I mean, Pax is pretty realistic, but no kid is going to read that and be like, oh, that could happen to me right. today no, that's in my true. real life. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like imaginative 
and fantastical are not bad things for you all. Absolutely not. Yep. That sounds right. Which for better or worse gives us tons of titles. <laughs> Let's start with a girl. Have you all read Short by Holly Goldberg Sloan? We have not. Okay. Have you read anything else by her? She's probably best known, and this might actually be her debut. Maybe this is just her second book, Short, but Counting by Sevens got a lot of press, a lot of good reviews, might have won an award or two. Does that sound familiar? We have Counting by Sevens on our bookshelf, but we have not read it. This is a book that my daughter, who's a couple months older than your son, read, loved, and sought out to completely on her own evangelize all her friends with. We bought it for teachers as end of year gifts so they could have it in their classroom. We bought copies for friends, our poor cop. It's a hardcover, but ours is really beat up because I think it's been read by like 20 fifth grade girls, Awesome. which she's not at the age where she really has a lot of friends that are boys. We only hear about them at the dinner table when they were getting in trouble in class, but we're going to get there. So I don't think that's necessarily meaningful that a boy couldn't enjoy it by any means. But it's about a girl named Julia who is very short for her age. Holly Goldberg Sloan weaves the story about a summer production of The Wizard of Oz that Julia does not want to participate in, but that gets her into a world different from her own. So she meets all kinds of people that she would never encounter in her real life, like uh, larger than life to her theatrical people. She ends up making this unexpected friendship with a much older neighbor that she wouldn't have encountered otherwise. And I know we're recommending books for the two of you, but something that I loved about The One in a Million Boy is it features a completely unlikely friendship between two unlikely people that turns out to be deeply meaningful for them both. And this book has that same element going on. But it's a story of uh, self-discovery and trying new things. And it can be a real tearjerker because what Julia finds in this story is that magical life-changing experiences have to come to an end. So it does have that emotional resonance. How does that sound to you? It sounds good. It reminds me a little bit of Better Nate Than Ever. We read that and loved it. It, it might have been book number four or five if the list had been longer. Um, so no, it, it sounds a little bit like that and I think we would love it. Okay, I am happy to hear it. Okay, for book two, have you read Green Glass House by Kate Milford? We haven't. Okay, do you know anything about it? I think we own it. We acquire a lot more books than we can read. <laughs> it is a legitimate bookworm problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but I understand. Okay. Have you all read the Mysterious Benedict Society series? We have. I really enjoyed those. Okay, good. This book has a similar kind of tone and feel, but the story is completely different. What I like about it for you is it's a quirky story about a quirky family who runs an old smuggler's inn, someplace where it's really, really cold. So... You'll want to cozy up and read it. It'll take you back to your days when you had a newborn and we're counting the hours till bedtime, but totally in a good way. So this family runs an old smuggler's inn and on the first night of what is usually a quiet vacation period at it, the place is called Greenglass House. They're in the innkeeper's son, the innkeeper's adopted son actually stumbles upon a big mystery. So with the help of the cook's daughter, Melly. So we have Milo and Melly, a boy and a girl, um, adventuring together, trying to get to the heart of this mystery as the guest bell keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing when they're supposed to be closed. And all these strange guests keep arriving unexpectedly. And they all have a story that goes way back connected to this house. So they're dodging the guests and investigating old stuff hidden in the attic and trying to figure out what is happening. So it's 
a little, it's realistic, but also a little more fantastical than your everyday life. It's a little bit funny. It's got a mystery and you all have liked books that have a mystery element. And if you love it, there's a sequel out because I see that's a theme too. It's called Ghosts of Green Glass House. It's only been out for about a year and I haven't read it, but it's also been a big hit with readers who did like the first book. Awesome. What do you think? I love the sound of the book. And of course, having one to follow up with is always good news. I'm happy to hear it. Okay. I'm thinking of The Search for Delicious by Natalie Babbitt. Do you know it? Never even heard of it, but is Ninoch Rise a Natalie Babbitt? I do not know. I, I have only read this one and Tuck Everlasting by her. At least I think so. Okay. Okay. It's possible I read something else when I was 12 years old and just don't remember. <laughs> but these are the two that I've reread fairly recently as an adult. Okay. So you will have an adventurous streak in your reading. And this is a story built around an adventure. And it's kind of silly. Like you mentioned, The Princess Bride. It might be more than a little silly, but it's also has a very serious theme. Like it's about in a sense, how people can come to absolute war over the most ridiculous thing. So what happens, you'll appreciate this as a literary grown-up, the prime minister of the kingdom of, I'm sure it has some ridiculous name, I can't remember, is making a new dictionary. And no one in his court can agree on what food they're going to use to illustrate the word delicious. So the king sends his 12-year-old messenger boy out to poll all the citizens about what should stand in for delicious. So that's what sets the story in motion. And pretty soon, the entire kingdom is on the brink of civil war. And he has to get help to define delicious or the country is going to be ruined. So we have Galen, the boy. We have a father figure who sets out on the adventure with him. There's a mermaid. And the dictionary is a really important part of this story. So it's Fun, sweet, a little screwball, some magic, some mystery. I think it's hitting some of your all's boxes. That sounds awesome. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts that would be entertaining and drive the plot forward. Yes. And these are books that plenty of adults I know, even those who don't have children, have chosen to read because they heard they were good books and thoroughly enjoyed them. Oh, cool. All right. Shannon, of those three books, what do you think you all will read next? I'm leaning toward Green Glass House. I, I'm not sure why, but I loved the the premise and the all the different moving parts. And I, I love that you um, compared it to the, the Benedict Society books. So I, I think we'll probably start there. Um, and that way, if we finish it, we can take a break, read something else, and then go back to the sequel. That sounds great. I hope you enjoy it. And I can't wait to hear what you all think. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anne. Thanks for talking books with me today. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shannon today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for Shannon and Spencer and let her know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 106. That's 106. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Readers, we have another great episode coming your way next week. Join me on Tuesday to discuss book shopping, holiday reads and gifts, and the joys of connecting with fellow book lovers live and in person. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts so you're certain to join us when that new episode comes out. Readers, speaking of gifts, one of the easiest ways you can support the authors and podcasters you love is to write a review. It's free and quick and easy, but it makes a big difference to us. If you enjoy What Should I Read Next, I would appreciate it so much if you would review it on Apple Podcasts. 
Your review makes it so much easier for book lovers to find our show. If you enjoyed my book, Reading People, How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything, would you take a minute and leave a review on a site like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Goodreads, or even your library website? Your fellow readers rely on your reviews to decide what to read and listen to next. And that's why writing a quick review means so much to your favorite authors and podcasters. Thanks in advance for those ratings and reviews. They mean so much. If you're on Twitter, let me know there, at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there, at Ann Bogle, and at What Should I Read Next. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! <laughs>